Welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host and this is my podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Salazar Los Angeles. So let me tell you about Salazar. Salazar is my favorite restaurant in Los Angeles. It's a Mexican restaurant. It's Michelin rated. Uh, Here you go. It's in the heart of Frogtown. All right. Uh, And the great thing about it is I was born and raised in Los Angeles and I've never been to a place with the same kind of atmosphere that Salazar has. It's like you walk in and it's like this like desert oasis. It's like a converted garage. And, but now it's, I don't know. It's just, you walk in and you feel like you're on vacation. I kind of feel like I'm, I'm in Palm Springs or I'm in some kind of desert oasis situation. It's romantic. All of a sudden you feel calm. I am not bullshitting you. I go there because the food is incredible. I was going to say impeccable, but then I was like, who the hell do you think you are? Shut the fuck up, Alexi. Come on. just You're selling this too hard. You want people to believe you because what you're saying is the truth. So don't use words you never use like impeccable. It is impeccable though. How dare you? Anyway, the food is incredible. It's not even very expensive at all. I promise you. You walk into a really calm, cool atmosphere. All different kinds of people eat there. All walks of life, families, people on dates, friends, young, old, gay, straight, whoever you are, and everybody, everybody's there. And uh, I mean, it's just a great place to go out with your friends, go on a first date there. Uh, What else can I tell you? Yeah, I've been on a, uh, I don't want to say a lot of first dates there. I've actually had some of the best nights with big groups of friends there and they've got fantastic margaritas, all different types of margaritas. Very important to find a place that gives you a good margarita. Uh, They also have boozy horchata, which is very cool. Have you ever had horchata? If you've never had it, uh, start with some booze in it. Uh, You can get it at Salazar. Anyway, and then the great thing is if you go there on a first date, it's romantic, the tables aren't too close together. You can't over. You, you can't hear everybody's conversation. But you know, I'm sure there are actually nooks of Salazar where you can overhear uh, people's dates. So you could even go there for that. Pretend to be uh, on your Instagram and then just uh, listen to uh, to a nearby table's first date. But uh, you know, there are nooks where you can be alone. And anyway, I'm 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 on a tangent right now. The point is, I like going there uh, to get a little bit tipsy on a great margarita. I like steak. I'm not vegan. I'm not vegetarian. They do have those kind of options too, but I'm telling you, I really like the steak. It's my favorite thing on the menu. And then after you're, you're full and, uh, and you're tipsy, one of the greatest things about the location is not just that it's cute and whimsical, but that right next door is this place called Zebulon, which is very hip. It's like a little, it's, it's, it's too hip. It's so hip. There are bands that play there. You can go dancing. You can hang out. A lot of my friends have birthday parties there. You go over to Salazar, then you go over to Zebulon and you go dancing and you continue drinking. So it's just situated in a very cool, nice spot where uh, it's conducive to fun and uh, good eating and drinking. So there you have it. Listen, I've said too much already about it. I'm, I'm, I'm even like, I'm just enough. You get the, you get the point. If you have any uh, questions, you want to know where it is? Yeah. Uh, well, here's the address. I'll, I'll, I'm actually give you the address. It's 2490 Fletcher Drive in Los Angeles, California, baby. Uh, if you want to follow them on Instagram, and why wouldn't you? So you can check out what the fuck it is I'm talking about. Follow them on Instagram at Salazar Frogtown. And you can even email them. Uh, email, email them at events at salazarla.com to make reservations for parties of eight or more. And uh, you got all the info. I've just laid out a perfect night in Los Angeles. 
You meet somebody on Tinder or Raya, you know what to do now. Anyway, moving on. Today, enjoy your night at Salazar. Uh, today, I have a very special guest. He, uh, we, I met him through uh, two previous guests of the Love Alexi podcast, uh, Brooke Dulian and Elliot Lester. They've both been on the show. Brooke uh, has the candle company Rookski, and her boyfriend, her fiance, if you will, is a man named Elliot Lester, and he's an incredible connector, and he brings people together, and uh, he introduced me to today's guest, uh, actor Kevin Zegers. So thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Brooke, for dating Elliot, for both of you being such wonderful connectors, my, you know, it's, I appreciate it. Uh, now let me, let's get to Kevin. This is, this is Kevin's day on the Love Alexi podcast. Uh, you know Kevin from uh, movies and television shows, numerous movies and TV shows. You've seen him in Transamerica, Fear the Walking Dead, Notorious, Frozen, Gossip Girl, Dirty John. And you can currently see him on What Just Happened, available on Hulu and Fox TV. You can also see him on Power, Available on Stars. He's just all over the place. He's constantly working. And uh, for more, Kevin, you can find him on Twitter at Kevin Zegers as well as Instagram at Kevin Zegers 1984. And uh, what else can I tell you? We just have a really lovely conversation where we talk about uh, his sobriety. We talk about uh, the acting process, how he kind of like had to break himself down and build himself back up again. Um, he start, he's, he's, he's been acting since he was a child. And uh, yeah, we talk about his whole journey in this business, why he does it, why he feels compelled to do it. And, uh, and he's, uh, he's married to an agent and they have a lovely family, two twin daughters. And we just talked about what it's like to, uh, for an actor to be uh, married to uh, you know, a powerhouse, power player. I like using words like that. I like words like icon, power player, Tinseltown. Anyway, uh, I think these are fun, fun words. Um, but it's, uh, it's not meant to disrespect when I use these words, but some people don't like being referred to as power players, but, uh, I only, it's a term of endearment for me anyway. Yeah. He's married to a power player and, uh, it's just life and relationships. As usual, we talk about the balance of it all, you know, about, uh, doing fulfilling work, um, trying to make a difference while you're on this earth, trying to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be, the trials and tribulations of, you know, I don't know, the ups and downs of life, sobriety, falling on your face, you know, uh, relationships and, and making those work. And he's been in a long-term relationship. So I feel like I got a lot of lovely advice and so many words of wisdom from Kevin. And I'm just happy he was on the show. And uh, we will get to that that lovely conversation momentarily. I do have to say, uh, I hope everybody had a, a wonderful, safe Fourth of July. I what did I do? Um, I went to the beach with my boyfriend, uh, and turns out I, I'm it turns out I'm dating a celebrity because according to some you know clickbait article I read on Twitter about uh, Instagram that if you have over 30,000 followers, which I do not have, you're a celebrity. So uh, I made the mistake of, of telling my boyfriend this because he's got like, I don't know, I, he knows exactly how many followers he has. And I, 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 probably, I, I probably know how many followers he has too, but I think it's around like 75,000, 76,000. I don't know. I'm botching it. It doesn't matter, whatever. But, you know, but according to this article, he's a celebrity, I don't know if it said that he's a celebrity in the UK, 
uh, or if that goes for, you know, just across the globe. But uh, yeah, I'm dating a celebrity. I am not one, but I am dating one. I can't even crack 20,000 followers. I am livid. So irritating. I don't know what's going on. And, uh, and oh, by the way, uh, I have to clear this up. Apparently, uh, in a conversation I had with Ryan O'Connell, the creator and star of Special on Netflix, we were talking about Instagram and, you know, I, I talk about Instagram all the time because it's what what we are working with nowadays. It's like it's, and, you know, I mean, come on. I don't have to explain this. Anyway, we were talking about followers or something. I was also talking about this with uh, Chelsea. No, who was I talking about this with? Casey Jane Ellison and Charles Rogers. And we were like talking about playing the game of Instagram to try to get follow- all the, all these things that people, you know, dirty, gross conversation about Instagram that you don't want to admit to, that you don't want to admit to thinking about. But anyway, uh, Ryan and I were talking and I was like, oh yeah, my boyfriend said, if I want to get more followers, uh, I need to post more selfies. Well, the boyfriend heard me say this and he went, no, Lexi, I didn't say you need to post more selfies. You just need to post photos of yourself. Nobody likes a selfie. Selfies cornball. Sometimes people like them, but like photos of you in the world doing things are interesting to people, but not just you like posing, uh, holding your camera up in, in a mirror. And I was like, oh, I get it. All right. So you've got to become my Instagram boyfriend now. Is that what you're saying? Well, the job's all yours, baby. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, and he wants me to smile more. He's like, and maybe if, if and when I take a photo of you doing something real and potentially interesting, uh, maybe maybe you could smile in some of the photos, you know, because nobody wants some gloomy Instagram account. And I was like, what? Yes, they do. Fine. Look at him trying to change me. Just kidding. Uh, I can smile. I'm, I'm usually always smiling. I just don't like smiling in photos. But uh, anyway, so 4th of July, um... We went to uh, the beach. Traffic wasn't super crazy in Los Angeles. We went to Zuma Beach, and I didn't even get in the water. I didn't even take my you know my dress off. I had like a short dress on. I had my bikini on, all ready to go. But it was a little bit chilly, and uh, I just come back from Palm Springs, and that was a kind of a, not a nightmare. I don't want to say, but anyway, I left my dress on yesterday, Fourth Fourth of July, while on the beach. Uh, and normally I would like take my clothes off. I'd be wearing my bikini. And, uh, but yesterday I just sat there and uh, my legs still got burned. I put on SPF and, uh, and they still got burned. Maybe it's because I bought generic. I should have known better. I thought, you know what? I'm going to try generic 50 instead of uh, Neutrogena uh, Ultra Sensitive 100 SPF. And this is what happens. This is where I went wrong. And... Uh, so yeah, it was lovely. Then we went back to Los Feliz, not to be too, you know, inside talking about specific locations, specific uh, neighborhoods in Los Angeles. But uh, if you don't live in LA, there's an area called Los Feliz. It's kind of cute. We went up up to the roof of my boyfriend's house and uh, we watched fireworks, had some Moscow mules. I went to uh, Palm Springs for the boyfriend's birthday um, last weekend and maybe that's why I didn't want to get into my bikini or like just, that's why I, went, I left the dress on when I went to the beach for 4th of July because, oh man, I didn't realize how hot Palm Springs is in July or, you know, it was late June, early July. I didn't realize that like May is probably when you, sh- or like early June is when you should go and then leave it at that. 
it was like 110 degrees. I could have, I, I did look at my weather, but I just, weather app or what have you, but I just thought, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. We want good weather. I'm surprising him. I'm going to take him to this hotel. So we went and we get there and it's lovely and we're swimming and we're drinking pina coladas and all this stuff. And then I wake up the next day and I'm like covered in mosquito bites. Except at that point I was like, do I have bed bugs? What the fuck? I had like 10 bites on one side of me, not all in a row, which is what they say the mark of bed bugs are. Plus you can see the bed bugs. I just had like 10 mosquito bites on one side, not bed bugs. We ruled that out, but that was a definite fear for a period of like many hours. Then uh, I wake up the next day because we went for two nights, three nights actually. Uh, and I, I woke up to like 15 more mosquito bites. So Sunday, I'm so itchy. I just want to scratch these mosquito and I, I would I want to scratch the mosquito bites and I'm I'm covered in welts and I just all bumpy. I just look like I don't know. I look like if you went to like the red light district in Germany and you like I was like it's like I was it's like I'm one of the girls like a prostitute standing in the in the window of a red light, you know, district hotel. And then you, when you buy me and you come inside, you see all these like lumps and bumps all over my body, but I look great in the red light where you couldn't see because it was all just, you know, anyway, uh, it was, and then I'm like scratching and I've got like bruises and welts. It's just like not a sexy look anyway. And it's just painful anyway. So I'm drinking tons of pina coladas because I'm excited to be away I'm trying to probably disappear for some reason, which is perfect. I, I mean, okay, anyway, we talk so much about sobriety and uh, how much Kevin Zeger's life improved when he stopped drinking and how he uses the program and he utilizes the program and how wonderful that is. And I was like, wow, like, I'm not saying I'm an alcoholic. I'm just saying like, yes, I would be, I think it'd be important to be sober for a little bit, Alexi, because I, you know, and, and mosquito bites, whatever, irritating. Then the heat, so I get I got sunstroke, and uh, I'm drinking all these pina coladas, and I have sunstroke, and I just got sick. It wasn't good. It was just like a, my my brain got scrambled. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't ideal. Sunstroke, pina colada, uh, too many. You know, seven pina coladas, too many. Twenty five mosquito bites. Not ideal. But we overall, we had a nice time. Now I'm back in Los Angeles and uh, here I am podcasting. Uh, what else can I tell you? Um, I finally watched The Big Chill. How Have you guys seen this movie? Have you all seen this movie? I can't believe it took me so long to watch The Big Chill. Uh, it was a movie from the 80s, or I believe early 80s, right? Uh, Ada, what am I going to say? Adam Goldberg. No. Jeff Goldblum's in it. That's a weird mistake. Why do I overlap the two? This is the second time I've done that, off air and on air. I don't understand. Anyway, Glenn Close, just so many incredible actors. Uh, Meg Tilly. Anyway, it's about the group of friends who get together um, because they're they haven't seen each other for a long time. They all went to college together and they've kind of uh, fallen out or just their lives have gone on different tracks and and uh, and their friend commits suicide. And the suicide, the funeral, brings everybody together and they spend this weekend together uh, in a house. And uh, it was 
a beautiful movie and I'm just shocked that it took me so long to see this like perfect film. Anyway, I highly recommend it. It's available on iTunes. Uh, and I mean, on a more of a lowbrow level, I'm going to talk about this. I watched The Hills New Beginnings. Did I, am I alone in this? I don't think I am. The Hills New Beginnings is so incredible. I used to love watching The Hills and now it's like 10 years later and uh, Heidi and Spencer Pratt are back. Misha Barton has joined the cast. Uh, Tommy Lee's son, one of his sons, Brandon Lee, has joined the cast, even though he's 10 years younger than all the other people, like Brody Jenner. Brody Jenner is Caitlyn Jenner's son. Uh, Brody Jenner's wife, her name is Caitlyn, spelled slightly differently, I think. But anyway, so now his mom and his wife, they're both awkwardly and uncomfortably named Caitlyn. Anyway, lots of stuff is happening and uh, it doesn't disappoint. Episode two is better than the first. Third episode is coming on this coming Monday. I'm very excited about it. It's just more trash for, for me to be addicted to. Uh, Lauren Conrad is not on it and nobody talks about that, but Audrina and Justin Bobby are back. He's already jerking her around. Uh, you know, Justin Bobby, even if you don't even know what I'm talking about, it doesn't matter. Justin Bobby, his name is Justin Bobby. Enough said. Two first names. Audrina, uh, I think she's had lip injections, so she has more of an upper lip now, but she's still allowing herself to be jerked around by, uh, you know, just the instability and the unpredictability of Justin Bobby. So look forward to that. Everybody's better at communicating. Some people are sober. Uh, some people aren't. Uh, miraculously, Tommy Lee's son, Brandon, he's sober. He's got a great house. There's a, a, a Pamela Anderson guest stars. There's a cameo by Pamela Anderson uh, in the first episode. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Um, that's all I can say. Anyway, listen. Uh what else can I tell you? If you would like to advertise on the Love Alexi podcast, please do. All you have to do is contact me via Instagram at Alexi Wasser. Uh, I think we should be friends no matter what on Instagram at Alexi Wasser. And I offer a service. I offer a service called Big Sister Sessions. Big Sister Sessions are, I mean, kind of self-explanatory, but not. Uh, it's where I serve as the big sister you never knew you needed or wanted. Uh, I offer big sister sessions via Skype. It's like an hour long session where I, I'm, I'm your therapist in the form of big sister Alexi. And uh, if you want to find out more and get all the details about that, click on the link in my Instagram bio and uh, you can book a session and it doesn't matter wherever you are in the world, they're done over Skype. I can put all my attention on you, whatever it is you're going through, uh, friendship, turmoil, love, sex, dating, relationships, texting, nonsense, trying to find a connection in this world where everybody feels so lonely and is desperate for a connection, whatever it is you're going through, family issues, body dysmorphia, this, that, and the other, uh, during a big sister session, I put all my attention on you. You tell me everything, then I give you my advice and uh, I promise you it is good advice and I give you and I leave you with action steps and tools to help you get through whatever it is you're going through. And uh, yeah, I've done so many of them and I have so many now big little brothers and sisters all over the place. I used to only offer this service to women and now I offer them to men as well. So if you're interested, again, click the link in my bio on Instagram at Alexi Wasser. And uh, what else can I tell you? I think that's, uh, I think I've said it all. I'm a bit lethargic. 
I'm tired. I don't know what's in the air, but uh, maybe I still have sunstroke, but uh, there's some kind of lethargic essence. Like I just don't want to do anything. I just feel tired and uh, it's hard to move, but uh, I can totally do my big sister sessions uh, sitting down via Skype and uh, happy happy to do those, but everything else, don't want to do it. I don't know why that is. What is in the air? There have been earthquakes in Los Angeles, two really big earthquakes, uh, which is kind of scary. And my boyfriend's British and he's never experienced an earthquake in Los Angeles. And uh, I think, yeah, he's not taking them as seriously as I am. I, uh, I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? Freak out and just not go outside and panic? I mean, no. But uh, I was like, I'm very concerned about these earthquakes because um, they're long, they're shaky. That's the thing about an earthquake. It's like when they start, you're like, oh my God, earthquake. And then you're like, oh my God. Okay, is it going to stop? Oh my God, it's getting bigger. Oh my God, how big is it going to get? How long is it going to last for? Oh my God, it's still going. Is it going to get bigger and then keep going? Oh my God. It's just like, oh. Anyway, I was woken up by one uh, yesterday, actually. Yesterday, yesterday. So in the wee hours of... uh, of the morning or the late, late hours of the evening last night. I don't know, but it was, uh, that's probably why I'm exhausted. I didn't sleep so well. Anyway, I've said it all. I've said enough. You've heard it all. You've heard enough. Please enjoy my lovely, lovely, lovely conversation with actor Kevin Ziegers. Hello, hello, hello. Hey. We're doing it. We are doing it. Goodness. I'm going to take my sandals off. How dare you? Up. Right. Ugh. Wait, so how do you know? Okay, so we're here together. Yes. Here we with are. Kevin Zegers. Yes. I'm not mispronouncing your name in any way, no, shape, that's or form. Right. Okay, good. Yeah. I did Although that. my family all say it differently. They though. do? Uh-huh. Who are these people? My parents say it's actually, I think, Zegers, which is Dutch. But, yeah. Um, my sisters say Ziggers. And my wife, when she met me, started calling me Zegers. And I was like, oh, that sounds, I think Zegers is probably better. But I think I've switched. You've switched saying it. Oh, my God. I'm going to close this. Or maybe I'll leave it open. What do you think? Whatever you think. I don't know. It's It's your podcast. It is my podcast. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Okay, so you're here today because our mutual friend, Elliot Lester, Uh set this thing up. Mm-hmm. He's a previous guest on the Love Alexi podcast. Yes. So is his girlfriend, Brooke. Yes. Which is how I know Elliot because she's... Have you met Brooke? I met Brooke on the phone yesterday. On the phone? What happened? Talk- Elliot and I are making a movie together um, at the end of this year. Another movie together. Um, and he was talking to me about some casting thing that he's doing. And she was in the background. Oh, she, What was she saying? She was, just sort of pipe- she was just sort of piping in, like, occasionally with, like, an opinion about... Um, oh, my God! Yeah. But I was like... He's like, oh, yeah, this is Brooke. I was like, oh, great. Hey, Brooke. Nice to meet you. What were her opinions? What if we talk about the movie or no? Yeah, the movie's called uh, The Thicket. The Thicket. Oh, this is the... Peter Dinklage movie. Pe- everybody calls it the... Pe- it's the it's the Kevin Zegers movie to it me. How Kevin dare Zegers you? Movie. Yeah, exactly. Um... um so, uh, so she's chiming in about ideas. Hi, Brooke, because I know she's listening. Hey, Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Um, what were you saying, Brooke? Um, <laughs> and what was she saying, though? She w- it was, El- you know, Elliot sort of uh, monopolizes conversations. Oh, as God. He so he was talking and talking and talking. And there was just an, the occasional, I think, it, I can't remember what I was saying, but. You're trying to say something. Elliot and I have like a strange relationship. We met. 10 years ago he was make tr- he was trying to get a film made and we met about me playing a role and uh the movie never got made but we we've sort of stayed in touch but we have a very sort of 
bantery. Um, Do you give each other grief? Give each other shit? Yeah, he just gives me shit all the time about, you know, whatever. But uh, he was, so he's been meeting with actresses to play the one of the leads in the, I, I, I probably shouldn't say who he's been meeting with, but. Um, I know one of them. Yes. I won't, I, I won't say that. It's and so I was like, she, he, it's to play a role that was originally written um, for a man, which I think is a really clever idea and it, it really helps the story. But um, this particular actress that he met with has a very st- strong vibe of like not being, uh, she's very, I mean, she's tougher than I am, this, this woman. And she, I could hear her in the background and I was like, and I said to Elliot, sh- I don't know if she could hear me, but I was like, you don't have to worry, Brooke. He's more likely to want to fuck me than her. So oh my god! I think be- I know exactly who you're talking about. Oh my yeah. god! And so that was my introduction to Brooke was insinuating that her husband or boyfriend wants to wants to fuck me, which is not true. He's very heterosexual. He's very heterosexual. Not there's anything wrong with that. But no, you're also a married no, man. I'm a married you're man. Both but that's, in relationship- that's that's usually how our conversations go. Oh my but the god. movie's coming together really well. I oh, that's great! Fantastic. Do you think this dark, mysterious woman with a uh, this intense woman is going to play the role? I do. You yeah. do? Uh-huh. Let's hope she never hears this podcast. No, She'll I never th- hear it. She'll never hear it. She's living her life. She's in her head. But she does... Yeah. I, she, th- this girl won't know who she is. He's met with a few girls like that. Oh, so. yeah. And actresses are... Uh, who's crazier? I mean, I know it's horrible. We're all crazy. We're all cra- Male actors, female actors. I think it... <sighs> We're all, I mean, we're all crazy. If you ask my wife, my wife is an agent. Uh, she's an agent. agent. Yeah. Is she your agent? No, God, no. Really? Was she ever your agent? No, uh-uh. Um, she, uh... <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> she, we're all crazy. I mean, I think in order to do what we do is so... Um, it's a combination of, like, incredible narcissism yeah with deep insecurity same with podcasting yes okay yes i mean i find most (laughs) most creative people are this way but um so incredible narcissism deep insecurity and then i think for men I can only speak for myself, but I know enough male actors to sort of generalize in a way. There is a little bit of a sense of like, if you can figure it out, you can do this for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. And for women... If you can do it for it's four less, years. Right. Yeah. It's, there's also that, at least historically, there's a, also on top of that, the added uh, pressure of like, this may only last for 10 years. Um, and so the, the mania sometimes associated with like, I got to get, I got to make this work now. Oh, wow. Um, That's true. Makes it a little more, I think, extreme. My wife represents mostly women, I think, because she's able to speak to them in a way that, um, that acknowledges that um, anxiety. And, um, but I think it's, I think it's much harder to be an actress than it is an actor. Yeah. Um, just because there is that pressure of like and it's not necessarily true i think if you're a good actor you you can do it for as long as you decide you want to do it don't stop i'm closing this oh okay uh, uh, you're getting too much uh too much atmosphere no 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 i'm fine um so yeah i i think it's um 
And I've sort of realized recently that I'm a lot of the actors I know now are, are younger than me. Does that bother you? No, I kind of love it because yeah. I was a child actor, so I was always the youngest guy, the youngest person on set. And so everyone was sort of telling me how things were and explaining how things were going to go. And I don't do that so much, but I realize now that, that a lot of my actor friends certainly are younger than me, that I have empathy for the plight of... I think because I put actors in two categories, which are like there are people who want to be successful or famous or even just make a lot of money. And then there are other people who are sort of like artistically inclined to sort of go, I feel like I need to do this because I don't feel like I want to be an actor. Oh, really? No, it's not a it's not a desire as much as it is this sort of like. It's what I have. It's what I have to do. There's, there's no other. Um, not to be corny about it, but I, the, I don't. I don't think any. I don't think I should or can do anything else. I think it's. Um, I think it's what I'm supposed to be doing, and so I think that makes the difficulty of ha- choosing this career much easier for me because I never have a point at which, if I go through a period where I'm not working where for whatever reason the ebb and flow of like I'm not a new interesting idea people think I'm a good actor but you know it's cyclical and so for periods of time you're not a great idea and I think if I had an out if it was what I wanted to do or if it was what I thought I should be doing because I can make a lot of money doing it or um, because I wanted to be famous or I wanted any of the outcomes, I think I would have just hung it up a long time ago. Yeah. And so I usually talk to actors who are like me, who are who feel like this is it for them. And so they have to make it work for um, what will probably be the remainder of their life. I want to unpack that because there are two ways to go. Is it a spiritual, like this is your calling to be super woo-woo, you don't, you don't have to, uh, mm-hmm. or is it, I don't. I can't do anything. Like this is what I. I. This is my talent. I. I'm not going to be a lawyer, or a doctor, or this or that or whatever. Which one is it? Do you think? This I is, think it's the first one that you said. I, yeah, it's like a yeah. Because I. You're meant to be. I'm doing also. This. Just in your bones. Yeah, and I, I don't. I don't think that I couldn't do anything else. I. I. I you know, I've I've traveled. Or I I was just home in Canada helping my friend build his house and pounding nails and stop bragging stop bragging all right we get it (laughs) but I was like I could I could do that yeah like there's something really nice about I having a a job that is a job like I I grew up in a place where you go to work and you do your job and when you go home when you get home you don't think about it anymore so I I certainly see the value in that but but your potential will be wasted right yeah there's something that happened and it wasn't the way I always felt certainly it, this has been in the last couple of years, I would say, um, where I kind of got to a place where I said, you know, I think it happens in your late 20s, early 30s, whatever it is that you're doing with your life. But, and it happened for me, I think more so when I had children, which is like, what is, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing as opposed to what's the easiest or how can I make life simple is um, when my daughters look at me, um, uh, what is it that they see, uh, certainly as they get older. Um, and 
I I didn't I I I started to see this sort of cracks in what I thought that I was doing, which is that um, I didn't want to just be. Uh, I didn't want them to see a guy who's just waiting around for the phone to ring for other people to decide that I can go to work. So I started doing things a little differently because of that. Oh, what did you do? I've just started writing a little bit more. I've started developing things a little bit more. Um, so funny. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, even just my relationship with Elliot is, is um, because of that, I think, uh, you know, when I end up doing the thicket with him, um, I think the, the extent of what I'll actually be doing um, on set, this particular role, it's a, f- a fantastic role, but um, is maybe two weeks of work in terms of me being on set. Um, but the amount of involvement I'm able to have because of Elliot and because of my relationship with him is... You know, it will have been well over a year of t- not just talking about me doing the movie, but about him telling the story and where he wants to film it and um, and being able to have input, not just have input, but to sort of start being. So the way I the way I think of it now, I think the thing that I came to realize was um, what are my like what what toolbox do I have um, and I think especially as an actor, um, it's your duty at, as, you, as you grow and is to figure out, like, what is it that I'm able to uniquely provide as opposed to how can I get jobs or what can I do to convince these people that I should be doing this job? Because the thing I've realized more than anything is that I shouldn't be doing every job. Um, and I've often been on sets when I was younger um, when you're having a moment and where it's a cool idea to have you in a movie where I've ended up on sets where in retrospect, I had no business being there. I had nothing to, um, add, um, to telling that story. And so I, I have had s- some ability to reflect on, well, what is it that I'm actually able to provide and what, um, what makes me, unique um as an artist like what is it that i'm able to provide based on who i am and my story and my experience and um sort of the essence of who i am that will make elliot's movie better um and if i'm not willing to give that or if the movie doesn't need that or the show doesn't need that then it's not my duty to be there how do you decide if it needs you or not? If, if the if the writer has written the role and the role exists mm-hmm. and it's part of of moving the story forward or, or or telling the story, what would make you think that you aren't needed if that character is written and? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with when when I read something, um, having enough self awareness to to understand what. Um, what it is that they need out of me and deciding if if that's something that... Because um, I'm, I'm talking in circles, but... No, no, um, you mean another actor might be able to deliver something that you don't have in you and, and you, you would step yeah, out of the way? Or, or getting to a place where I love being at home with my family and I think having 
um, written a bunch now and, and the things that um, even that I've taken out on pitches and things we're developing, um, which are very personal and sort of uh, they're not they're movies that or shows or, or whatever that um, use whatever baggage and all that stuff that that I sort of uniquely have. And so I can look at that and say to myself, well, those things are my story or my experience are essential to telling those stories. So I'm able to see when I'm being used as a, when I'm, when I'm actually, when someone's actually requiring um, just my face or my name, which by the way, I, I, I'm it's not, a great face. <laughs> thank you. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not in a position to be above that. Um, or if your soul is going to be utilized in a, in a sense, not correct. to be, I'm the and one providing all the woo. The <laughs> they're not all the same. Yeah. Um, and I'm not in a position to be, uh, discerning, entirely discerning of everything that I do. Um, but what I can do and what I have found useful to do is that even if I'm, uh, in a position where I'm audition, auditioning for something, um, is as opposed to giving them what I think that they want, um, I I try to give them uh, the performance that I'm uniquely able to give. Oh, that's great! Yeah. Um, regardless of what the material is, and sometimes it's sometimes it's a it's a fucking nightmare. Sometimes it's a disaster um, how it ends up going in terms of them telling their story. But when I read something now, I don't think what are they looking for. I think, how would I do this? Oh, that's so great. Um, and so the attachment to the result of am I going to get the job or am I not going to get the job is much less important and it's much more important for me to um, go in and do, go in and sort of uh, represent um, myself as an actor so that they are able to sort of say, he's totally not right for this thing. Um, in fact, he would be weird to put in this thing. It just happened recently. Um, but to identify that I see what, I see what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and in another venue, I want to use, use that thing. Um, and that's been like the most liberating thing. Is that recent? Yeah. It is a recent. They've been working since you were how old? You were like six or seven. Six years old. And when did this... this- it's like two, two years? years ago. Oh my god, this yeah. is a huge cathartic yeah. change. Totally oh my different. god, that's just like trying to see yourself through other people's eyes, being like feeling disconnected in a weird yeah. way when you go for the thing. Do you do you audition anymore? You still have to yeah. audition. Oh yeah, it's just everybody's auditioning. Everyone Everybody auditions. auditions. Wait, and I just want to go back to when you said when you were younger. Even though you're still so young, and you're the youngest you're ever going to be. Uh, yes, that's but, true. Uh, Today. Um, but when those older actors, and if it does get boiling, say I'm all over the no, place. No, I'm in that no, case, so I might no. have to open the windows again. Mm-mm. It's going to happen. But uh, anyway, when the older actors would say, like, this is how it is, kid, or whatever, I'm making them old-timey, like they're Humphrey Bogart mm-hmm. or something. But uh, Some of them are. Was it that way? Were they giving you good advice, or was it just, or, did I you wish you took so, it? I think it's so... Um, did you get any good advice when you're... When I you're, did. Yeah, but you didn't listen to it. Some people I did, and in retrospect, I don't know whether I was in a position to, um, and not to get too sort of in the weeds about it, but um, until I 
until I got until I got sober, which was eight years ago. We're gonna get into that. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, um, this is great. So until that happened, I don't think I think if well, you couldn't hear it. No, I think if Jesus Christ Himself walked in front Who? of me and yeah, was no. like, "Yeah, exactly," <laughs> and said, "Like, listen, dude, you, like you need to do," because I had plenty of people, smart people, people that. Um, had valid opinion like I, you you're not in a position to um, contemplate anything and so my path which I think has been um, very useful especially now and once I've once I've made this shift which is that I needed to do all of that stuff yeah I needed to um, burn some bridges and I needed to um fall on my face and be in bad movies and end relationships and uh, and not take the natural ascent that was sort of laid out for me when I was 21 or 22 um, in order to be where I am now, um, which is to have a little bit of perspective on what does this thing mean? What is it? What isn't it? Um, because before I... Um, before I got sober, it was everything. Um, I had literally had nothing else. I had one suitcase, uh, that I, that I lived out of. I lived in a hotel until I was 20. In LA? Yeah. Wait, where were you born? I was born in Canada. Oh yeah. Born in Canada. We're in Canada. I moved here when I was 17. Where in Canada though? Uh, in like a very small town outside of Toronto. Okay. My mom's from Vancouver Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love it there. Yeah. I I just shot a TV show there in Victoria. Um, Which is beautiful. It is. I've never been. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. I've been to Montreal and I've been to, I've been to. I don't even know Vancouver. I've been to Vancouver, not, yeah. not Vancouver Island, but uh, it's the prettiest place in the world. I would live there if I, uh, if my wife wasn't running a department at at CAA. Oh um, my god, oh, CAA! This is a highbrow situation here. Does she? Does By the she, way, I I actually in in um, I will give her credit for this, and I think it's been one of the most enlightening things about being married to a powerful woman is I don't know if I would be as reflective and able to um, be doing the work I'm doing now if it wasn't for the stability of being married to my wife. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think a lot of what we're hampered by as actors is just the reality of, in most circumstances... um, and certainly when I met my wife, she was a, an assistant at CAA. She was you know, probably making $25,000 a year. So as a, it was always my responsibility, not my responsibility, but um, I was supporting our life. Um, and as that shifts, um, which some men find difficult, I suppose, I think it's amazing. I find it so liberating and... Um, but is it bizarre a little bit? Just like there's a moment where it's like, oh wait, I'm this, we're in a different situation now. Yeah, I mean, we, it's 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 been it's been aligned with this last couple of years where oh god, so much, but like <clears throat> so much has gone on. We have kids now. Where sometimes my responsibility is to um, take care of our kids, and that's just the reality of our um, where just in terms of our circumstances, I can't, I can't be in Nashville for, uh, eight months. Um, it's just not feasible for our life. And even just logistically, I can't 
ask her to, uh, in terms of like our livelihood, my wife's career is more important than mine. What? I can't believe this. Yeah. Exclusive. Um, just in terms of like the stability <laughs> of yeah. what it, what our life looks like. Um, and so now when I think about work, it, the consideration is also, um, if I am going to go away, what is it that I'm doing? Yeah. Oh, it has um, to be important. It has to be a choice that you can't, that, you it know, it's undeniable. Be, it has to be very obvious. Yeah. And so, um, and likewise, there are things where I sort of will consider doing things here because they're in Los Angeles and because I, I never considered anyone but myself when it came to what I did Yeah. Uh, until these last couple of years. And then the more I started considering... Um, other people, the more I was sort of enlightened to like, ultimately my job um, is to be of service to a filmmaker. When I'm an actor is to be of service to the filmmaker. Um, That's it. Nothing else. It can't be, there can't be any self-serving in there. Um, For me, I think other people do things differently. That's fine. For me, I need to just be completely bought into. I'm a cog on this wheel. Um, uh, it's a gift that's been given to me by Elliot or whomever that I'm trusting you to to do this thing um, and to make me look good and to and to tell the story uh, and to add something to the story that I can't quantify that I'm asking you to do. And as an actor, that's your only job. That's it. There's no other, you can muddle it up as much as you want to, but ultimately my job is to be of service to the man or woman who is employing me. Um, And if I don't want to be there, I don't have to be there. No one's making me do this. Um, And if I want to produce something or if I want to direct something or if I want to um, be involved in another way, then I can start infusing my own opinions into things. Um, but ultimately, if we're just talking about being an actor, which is kind of what I'm focused on right now, aside from having these other things, which I do with other people, but if, when I'm singularly talking about me, that's how I pr- approach things. And the most honest way for me to do that is to be honest and to um, show whoever it is uh, and when I'm, if I'm taking a meeting, is to to tell them th- and to sort of show them the kind of actor that I am. Yeah. And I might be that for them, or I might not be. But my concern is not the result anymore. And do you think being in your relationship that opened you up to being less selfish? Is that what you were saying earlier? Mm-hmm. Like, was it less selfish, and then that fuels your work because then you're able to open your, you're able to be more empathetic. You understand people better, maybe, or doesn't yeah. that like inform the work and? It informs the work, and it also alleviates one major th- sort of hang-up that Being most actors have, which is like, I need to get this job to, oh. to support my life. Yeah. And when you add that variable into things... When you have other things to live for, or that matter? Yes, it's that, but it's also like just the, just the logistics of like, if I don't get this TV show, I can't pay my rent. Um, it may... It, 
immediately becomes more important than maybe it should be. It's stressing me out right now. Uh, oh my God. For most actors, that's what you're dealing with. Jesus. Um, and you got to be calm throughout it. You got to look cool, you gotta be pretend, handsome, be fit. Have you got to pretend like. No big deal, man. It doesn't matter. No big deal. Like, you got to have a 12 this, pack. If this works out. <laughs> if, right, exactly. Oh Please. God. I gave up on that. Are you, do you have to work out every single day? I try. You when try? I'm not working. Uh, I work, I, I, um, one of my idols, um, who you may or may not know, is this guy, Jonathan Tucker. Jonathan Tucker. It sounds familiar. He's an actor. He's a couple of years older than I am. Um, and he's like my, in, t- in terms of like how I think that we should do this thing that, mm-hmm. that we do for a living. You like how he does it. I love how he does how it. How does he do it? And I want to know how you proposed to your, how you met your wife and how you proposed. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but yeah. He's, he has a, he has a passion and an excitement for it that, um, is unparalleled. And so I, it, I, at some point I think it became very non, not cool to be excited about just being an actor. Oh, really? When? Who said that? There Some was jerk? this era. No, there was this era of like, oh, I'm just going to, it's going to be natural and I'm just going to show up and like see what happens. And um, we don't, we don't roll that way anymore uh, to, 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 to me. And um, uh, from what I've learned from him and hopefully what I've taught him in some respects is that every opportunity to, that we get to do this thing is a gift and is, is a blessing that 99.999% of the, like the fact that I have never had another job. That's um, amazing. It's huge. I am just a working actor. Sometimes it's better than others. Sometimes I'm doing better material than other times. But like the reality, the fact of the matter is that I am a working actor. Um, and my duty, my job when it comes to that is that I need to constantly be getting better. And it's not just in regard, like, it's not just going to class and, or if that's... Do you go to class? Did you I, ever go to I class? Have, yeah. Yeah. I have, I, yeah. I, I hate classes. Is that horrible? I'm saying hate. It's a harsh word. It's, I've been I, the, I, yeah. I think it's, I think it depends on what... <laughs> That's how I feel about classes. I know. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I needed class at like four years ago because my ego was so big. Oh, it was? Masking tremendous insecurity. But I needed to go to a class and have with this woman, uh, Sharon Chatton, in, in, in Venice. And I needed to be like broken down oh my God. in a way that was sort of like, you have no idea what you're doing. Jesus. Um, and all of this shtick sh- that you're doing that will get, uh, when you're on set, will get the scene printed, which is ultimately how I, how I approach things before she's like, is garbage. And it's a, and, and it's, there's not a, like, uh, there's not a, uh, an honest moment in there. And I needed that at that point in time. So was this coaching or a full on class. This was in class. Oh, wow. All right. With a, you know, with, uh, with a lot of actors who have never been on set before. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And, but, <laughs> and there was, but I needed that at the moment. I needed the humility of oh, like, good. just cause you're working dickhead and just cause you've had the good fortune of, um, doing some good work at a particular period in your life doesn't mean you're a good actor. Um, and it doesn't mean that you know what you're doing and it doesn't, certainly doesn't mean that you know how to move forward. Um, and Vince D'Onofrio was who sent me there. Because I called him and I was like, I feel like I'm kind of stuck and I don't know what 
it looks like with me moving forward and I do I have to change how I do this thing? So he sent me there. Oh, that's so great. So I don't, I, I'm not a huge proponent of, of long-term being a class goer, although whatever works for, for, but I do think, and what Jonathan and I um, are into is I see a sports psychologist. Oh, you uh, do? Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to get a strong, like a, a strong mentality, or like to face life. It's like a yeah. And I, so... I mean, it does. A, it does. It does. A lot of it does cross over. But um, the the thing that that Jonathan and I, uh, when we talk about these things, is like uh, all I have is my all I have is myself. Um, Wait, like an analyst, or you mean like a sports therapist, like a therapist, like like does, with your brain, like you're talking does, to him. Bo- he does. Tr- uh, he mostly trains athletes. Oh, physically, this is a physical therapist. No, well, it's, it's break little, this down. I'm going to shut up. Here so, we go. <laughs> um, so part of what I try to do, and and my relationship with Jonathan has been helpful, is like, where where are my blind spots? Where are my holes? Where are the things that I get hung up on? And a lot of people are sort of. We live in a world where it's like, yeah, what are you good at? And it's like, I can go into a room and be charming and yeah. um, play the guy who's flirting with the girl. Like, oh, great. I, I love that you can do that. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, pal. Um, but that's not, that's not everything that I want to do. And so for me, I get very hung up when um, someone's unconvinced. So when I go into a room and I know that I'm behind, that someone's not, on board. Oh wow. My insecurity takes over and my nerves take over and I I don't present myself well. Do you turn into who you think they think you it's are? It's a whole chase of like uh, uh what is it that they want and then I and then I get manic and it, uh, and my physical nerves take over and I I'm a mess. And it usually is in situations where the stakes are high. Where you want the job, where, where it's a I good really script. really want the job. And so Working with Roger, working with the sports psychologist, um, has really trained um, just the mentality of like all, the only thing I can control is myself. So to be able to have a system of like um, uh, this happened a couple of weeks ago. I had a screen test for something, and um, I knew for the two and a half hours prior to going in there exactly what I was doing to like within the five minute. Um, breakdown and it completely uh, it, it it enables me to just focus on doing uh, delivering uh, what I want to deliver as opposed to being able to be affected by how am I going to get there and when I get in there who's going to be in the room and what if they don't look at me the way I want them to look at me and what if the person reading with me doesn't know what they're doing or oh, what if um what if my physical nerve? And so, what Roger sort of has been helpful with is, I, I I'm completely locked into just doing what what I'm going to do, um, and any sort of, uh, I mean, a lot of it is, is analyzing sports. But he works with a lot of basketball players. But it's that like, what if the shot misses, which most athletes have. He, 94% of basketball players when they're at the free throw line are thinking, I hope this doesn't miss. Certainly in a, in a high stress situation, not in a regular season game, but in the playoffs when, a, when you need to make two free throws, when you're standing there, most athletes are thinking, what happens if this misses? 
or even what happens if it goes in and am I going to be a hero and what is it going to look like? Jesus, yeah. And so as human beings, we get very wrapped up in results. And and so when you're in a situation like actors, like we're in a lot, which is going into a room and having to kind of deliver to people who don't know us or particularly aren't, is to not have any... Um, stock held up in how you're received or um and so all I know is that I'm going to I'm going to take the shot that I, I'm going to do the things I'm going to step up to the line I'm going to take the shot that I know how to to shoot and it'll go in or it won't and my my how I feel about it is sort of secondary to knowing that I um I walk through it uh the way that I wanted to walk through it give me some tips and tricks for my listeners like so you walk into the thing what do you do like how does that manifest like how do you it's well uh, what if somebody does look at you weird for the five or ten minutes uh, before I get in the car and I go wherever I'm going you write down what just empty your head out which is like what if I don't get this job what if I do get this job that's a lot of money Um, how am I going to travel back and forth to see my kids what if my kids hate me when I'm home Um, what if I get in the room and they think I'm bad? What if they challenge me based on what I'm doing? What if the so you empty your head out, and that takes me a good five minutes. Yeah, and then you do some physical exercises, which are to sort of lower your blood pressure and slow your heart rate down, which is very helpful. That those are like physical things that he's able to help me with, particularly because I get nervous. Um, do you take beta blockers? I don't. No, have you ever? Good. I have. I, like I have such a high tolerance for drugs oh, and alcohol. Oh that, wow! Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. yeah. That it would. You'd have Nothing. to yeah. tranquilize oh, me to, for me to have any. Yeah. Um, but and then so much of it is just controlling my own. Like I map the route that I'm driving oh, to God. the studio. Um, I make specific, depending on what it is, but I make specific sort of mental notes of like. I put in my ear pods. I don't chit chat in the waiting room. Oh God, that is like a real thing. Yeah. So I'm I'm not um, I'm not there to make friends. I'm not uh, certainly in that cir- circumstance where it's like me going in to get a job. I'm not there to make friends. I'm there to be an actor. I'm there to do uh, the work that I that I want to do. And anything that gets in the way of that is 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 bullshit and is garbage and is not helpful to me. And I need to have the self-awareness to go, okay, that doesn't serve me. Me chatting some to some guy sitting next to me um, at a screen test doesn't serve me. That's like out of people-pleasing, like, like ego. That's like me wanting oh, everyone to, to like, like me. me. Yeah. And me wanting to feel like, oh, maybe that'll loosen me up. It's like I'm plenty loose. Yeah. If I do the stuff I'm, uh, I'm doing and if I'm prepared in the way that I know I should be prepared, which I am now, um, I don't need another human interaction to loosen me up. Oh, this, this is incredible. I'm plenty loose. Yeah. And then I am able to just go in and focus on my intention without any um, obsession of like, is this going well? Reading the room like, oh, yeah, they seem like they're into this. What's? I'm completely locked into usually the person I'm sitting across from to make sure that the work is, is what I want it to be. Break down the niceties with the people in the room. How many people are in the room? This is for, uh, you know, actors listening. I, I, I now, um, God, and this is so contrary to how I used to do things. I used to want to drag it out as long as I could before we started doing the Really? Work. Why? Just because you're nervous? It, or Yeah, and it would enable me to be like, oh, they like me. They're excited for me to be here. Oof. They're... Um, 
I feel like I'm needed or wanted or like it, it's this like childhood, um, I want everyone to like me thing. Yeah. Whereas now I'm there to do my job. I'm there to work. Um, I'm not there to, uh, win a personality contest. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Canadian, so inherently I'm polite. And oh God. But <laughs> you uh, hear that Canada? Yeah. Okay. But when I, uh, for now I go in there and I do my job. I yeah. say, hello. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me come in. Yeah. I do my job and I fucking beat it. Jesus Christ. Um, and I then think... I turn my phone off. Yeah. I don't want feedback. Oh good. Yeah. Um, cause Either I'm either they want me to do the gig or they don't. Yeah, and now you've done it the way in which you prepared it, which is how you would do it, not guessing what somebody I've, else I've, wants. I've sort of demonstrated to them. This is my take on it. The version that um, interests me, or yeah. the version of it that that uh, that I'm singularly able to tell. That yeah. only uh, I call it the like the not to I hate using my name in the third person, but Please like do. this is the Kevin Zegers version of this. There's no other guy who can do that. Um, and I used to try to do something that seven or eight guys could do and they go like, yeah, but we like that guy. And to me now it's like completely unimportant. This thing I screen tested for a few weeks ago, I did not get, I was completely wrong for that character, but the creator of the show is now like, yeah, but I need this guy on my show. I love that. So as opposed to me just working, someone's able to recognize that guy's totally wrong for what, we want, we were screen testing him for. But I want to work with that guy. Um, and I would have never been in that position before. I was always clo- either close to getting things where they were like, yeah, I was almost there. Yeah. But I was never totally honest. And therefore, I was always like coming up in second place. Yeah. Whereas now, I either they're either like, we don't know what the fuck that was. That's totally not the show we're making. But now they're like, oh, we didn't know he had this nuance, which would be perfect for this thing. Who knew he which had this layer? Now I want him to do this other thing. Totally. Which is a totally different kind of thing. Yeah. Um, do you consult your wife about like choices and get the inside scoop? And I heard agents usually hate actors. They, I usually, they don't do. they? They do, right? I think my wife has like a love hate with actors. I think she's, I think she's, um, She's made me better at my job because I understand how... The business side works more? The business side works, but also just how powerless I am over a decision that's being made. Really? She's like, don't go email your agent. Don't call being like, yeah, hey, what's going I, on? What can I we do? I don't, okay. I, just, I, don't, I don't do any of that stuff anymore Yeah, because um, it, it's not helpful. And it's probably irritating too. It's irritating it? and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Either well, like ultimately my job is to, which is so freeing and... Uh, enlightening and that all I have to do is like, I I have something on Monday that I'm auditioning for. Um, and I just have to go in there and, and show them what I want to do. Are you great at memorizing lines? You must be. Yeah. That's not a, you just have to, I always memorize. This is how I break this. I'm like really doing like uh, baby steps for for actors. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a no brainer. That's an acquired skill over years of like, yeah, I can I can read something and but now I don't I I really don't I try not to read the breakdown. Oh, really? I try not to read what it is that they're looking for. Um, this character I, I won't give away what it is, but uh, it's a, a gay character that I'm that I'm reading for on Monday. Um, and it, unless they mentioned it in the in the pages I'm reading, I wouldn't have known that because I I wouldn't have read the breakdown and. 
I don't like those external things to inform what it is that I, you know, there's a, it's a couple of scenes with the uh, father and a son. And, um, aside from the, the, the script that I'm reading, obviously, which tells me who the character is, I don't, um, I don't like he's, uh, thoughtful and pensive in this way or in oh. the, the, the sort of beats in a script where they sort of inform what the character's thinking or what the character's uh, trying to do, I find is completely unhelpful to me because then I get locked in on like, I need to hit that beat and I need to hit this beat as opposed to like my version of this father and son is that the son is actually uh, much more comfortable taking care of his father than his father is to him. And maybe that's not at all what they want. Um, It's the way I read it. And so that's what I'll do on Monday. But you always read the script. Yes. And so then this, the, the character will be, um, my, my, uh, will be mine. Yeah. And so uh, he's actually much more uh, together and masculine uh, in this sort of prototypical sense than his father is. And I, to me, that's interesting. To me, that's the interesting version of doing that show. Um, as opposed to uh, not just about his sexuality, but just about um, the father-son dynamics, which is like there's usually the mater- the paternal, strong, trying to take care of his son. To me, there's like, that's not the interesting version of doing that show. Yeah, and a lot of people are feel like their parent is their kid. Totally. Too, I mean, th- which that's, is like when you really look at that's my experience. That's my experience. And yeah. so my job is to use my experience to inform performance. Otherwise, there's a hundred other guys who can do that. What do your parents do? My mom's a school teacher, but she was, um, so, um, um, you know, traveled with me until I was 17. Oh, wow. Because um, I was, a, you know, a working young actor. And my dad um, was uh, a mechanic in a lime quarry, um, was a minor. Um, Is he still alive? Yeah. Do you talk to him? Are you good with yeah. both your parents? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a miracle. And yeah, it's complicated. I yeah. mean, it's. I think any kid who is a child actor, there's like dynamics that uh, our family wasn't equipped for what um, what my life sort of ended up entailing in terms of traveling and um, the financial side of it. Like, I, I we didn't grow up with a lot of money, so all of a sudden, is there a weird guilt and shame that you're successful and yeah, they can't identify? With, with my sisters and um, it 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 switches the family dynamic in a way that it's uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. Yikes! And do you all hang out for Christmas or whatever? What do you celebrate? Yeah, anything? it's 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 Oof. when you have kids, it changes too. Because my family is now my family here, my oh. wife and my two kids. That sounds better. I like uh, that. It seems yeah. less complicated, less it's travel. It's less complicated. There's also just like less, um, <laughs> I used to go back there and try to fix everything. Oh, I would God. go back and try to mend these fences and I was looking for answers that I was just never, never going to find. Yeah. I don't talk to my uh, father and it's fun. It's don't? better that way sometimes. You think, oh, wow, maybe I should just keep going towards that, do- that toxic darkness. Have you read this book called The Apology? The Apology. Oh my God, you have to read Do it. I, okay, I've read all the other ones, like Codependent No More, no, 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 no. Getting is, the Love You Want. Re- this is a brand new book. It's from this woman who wrote um, The Vagina Monologues. Oh yeah, Eve Ensler. Yes. So she wrote a book called The Apology, which my friend James gave to me. And it's um, this it's Eve's uh, story, but um, it is written 
Her father's dead, and it's written uh, in first person as him writing a letter to her that he oh. never, that she sort of fantasizes about him writing. Oh, wow. And it's, I mean, I won't give too much away, but it's dark. There's a lot, the relationship uh, sort of crossed every boundary that you could cross. I think I heard a little bit about this, yeah. And so I used to go home and look for that, which was like, we did this wrong and this is what... I'm sorry and I yeah, love you and I was we inappropriate. Wish, we, should have done, we should have done this or we should have... And I've realized that, that that's probably not going to happen and I can't be... I, I can't base my own um, growth or... Happiness. Happiness on waiting for somebody else to do something that I hope that they do. Um, yeah. A lot of that's just sort of AA stuff that I need to... You know, that I try to keep my own side I've made all the amends that I, I at least I can think of to my family and for my side so that I feel okay um, to my sisters and um, but uh, I, I no longer sit by the phone sort of waiting for some revelatory yeah um, because maybe they're not equipped or maybe that's not their experience or maybe they are not um, emotionally articulate enough to, you know, I'm fortunate that I live here where like I go to therapy and I'm sober. And so I go to meetings where all we talk about is feelings and you're doing the work. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, all that, all that stuff. And so I'm, maybe they don't have the tools to, to make me feel as good as I want to feel about that stuff. And then when you forgive them, I've, I've been going through this in my, my head, but if when you forgive them, ultimately you're like, you know, lightening the load. You're forgiving yourself because you're, you don't have to, if you can forgive them, whether or not they're part of that, and you can just do it by yourself, writing uh-huh. a letter, yakety schmackety, whatever. Yeah. yeah, then it just is like a relief. So you're not carrying around that like anger or um, being, a, what is the word? Disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, so it just makes your life resentful. better if you can forgive. Yeah, resentful. Like, the next hour is just us like using words to explain why yeah. we're upset from yeah. <laughs> disappointed by our family. You, you really have ah. to. Re- you really have to read this. book. Oh, I can't it's wait. Also, it's so heartbreaking yeah. because whether or not you have the experience that she had with some of the sexual abuse and stuff, I was not sexually abused. What was wrong with me? Sorry, that was a horrible joke. <laughs> no, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I had enough uh, mental abuse. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah. The, it's it's this. Oof. It's this, um, her own self-awareness and her own, because so much of the book is just her fantasizing about what it is that she thinks she needs. And as the book goes on, you sort of realize that we're all just kind of in our own, if, if, if all we can do as human beings is like open up our peripheral vision a little bit so that I can see you and you can see me and a lot of the only reason I know any of that stuff is um, are is things that I learned in recovery. It's it's the I'm I'm at my core an innately selfish guy, mostly because I had to be because I, I I was responsible for myself at a very long, young age in terms of like providing for my own well being. So most of my narcissism comes from like I got to take care of me first because like. I, I, ain't nobody else taking care yeah, of me. Yeah, you had to be vigilant. It's like, but the greatest thing that happened as I got older and more into recovery is like my job, and it circles back to my what I do for a living. Is like I'm just here to like make your life a little bit easier. 
Um, it's why we sponsor guys in, in recovery. It's that for the, you know, there's probably an hour a day that I'm on the phone with people that I sponsor. Um, plus when, if I'm at a meeting or whatever, so there's a couple of hours a day where I'm completely not thinking about myself. There's no time for it. Oh, wow. Um, Jesus. Because when you're listening to someone else, you know, talk about their marriage or that, you know, they're struggling with whatever it is. Um, I, there's not, there, I don't have the bandwidth to also be thinking about myself. Um, and it opens your mind up to like, rather than me being just so angry at my parents, I wonder what my sister's experience was like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and how frustrating it must be for them sometimes to be two blocks away and not have had some of the conversations that I've been able to have with my parents because of the work I've been sort of forced to do because of my recovery. And I would never consider that. I would never consider um, you welcoming someone into your home or Elliot being stressed about having all these really great actors in a movie that is um, overwhelming for him. Oh, wow. Uh, like, Other people have feelings and lives correct. too. Even and, I needed that r- reminder right. <laughs> just and now. So the, the second that I, and even if I just buy myself 30 seconds when I walk into a situation thinking, this person has a whole bunch of other shit going on for them too. Um, it makes my own narcissism subside for a minute. It also makes you, not you necessarily, but it makes a person less of a victim. Because I know that if I'm always about me mm-hmm. and I have a boyfriend and I love him and I'm learning how to, uh, I don't know, I'm very addicted to chaos. Like I love sure. uh because that's what I know from uh, when I was a kid and that feels comfortable to me. So mm-hmm. when everything's good and I have like this lovely direction, a director of animation, boyfriend who goes to the gym, he's healthy, he's British, it's great. When everything's good and healthy, mm-hmm. I'm like, what is this? Like, oh, this feels uncomfortable. So I like to start problems. Right. And then, or I don't know. I, so I'm always making myself the victim. Oh, someone, you know, you're, the silence, you're being mean to me. Or right. you aren't being charming enough. Like, why, why don't you like me? And when you open up your mind and go, well, maybe they had a tough day and the facial expression on their face right. isn't because they're here to serve me and be charming and make me feel good all the time right. or he's going through his own stuff and it's so difficult. Yeah, And I'm, maybe love for him looks like calm. calm. Oh God, it does. That's exactly what he's like. He's like, I just want a calm, calm but not boring, happy, relaxed right. life. And I'm like... What I'm used yeah. to dating addicts and musicians, sure. and and I want to tra- I want to get to this next level, and I will read this book. Uh, you really should, because I, I don't know. Yeah, I would like to become friends with calm and uh, and it's not being so addicted I, I to chaos. The, I think the thing that has been the best period of these last couple of years is like I everything's just okay. It's okay, if and that's I, okay. If if everything goes great for a few months, okay. I still have to, you know, wipe my daughter's ass after oh she God. takes a dump. You she do? She do. does that? Yeah, That's disgusting. Yeah. Um, but like <laughs> nothing in terms of what nothing tangible changes for me. Yeah. Um, if I get a job, you know, if I get a Chris Nolan movie and I have to go away, it's like the. It doesn't change the essence of like what my life looks like. Oh, you're grounded. It sounds so nice, like to be grounded in like yeah. family. A and wife. I still have to think, you know, if I if uh, 
there's a there's the dichotomy of like there's the the positives and negatives of every situation as opposed to my addict's brain or my just the way my brain is i want to think about things very one-sided which is like oh i want to get this job because it's a lot of money and people will see it and it'll be good for me whereas now i sort of say okay that may all be true but what does commuting to new york for 5 months look like uh with one of my daughters who has like a bit of an attachment thing with me that um for whatever reason she came out in a way that she needs um she needs things to be a certain way for her to not feel totally out of control and i would have never not that i wouldn't have cared but it wouldn't have been a consideration i would have said oh she'll be fine and we'll take care yeah. of it and to actually consider it in a way that i can now say well is it worth it like um I'll never be able to get my daughters back to being three where they're, and I, I noticed it on a daily, but I noticed it this morning. We were at Target grabbing some stuff for Love Target. Love Target. On, on uh, uh, La Brea? Yeah. My La favorite. No, no, no. On La, La Cienega. That's yeah, a good one, one too. Tucked yeah. away. Yes. Um, but I s- always catch them looking at me in a way that they'll never look at me again. Oh my God. What does this look they're registering what a man is supposed to look like. Oh my God. And, and treat it, them? And treat them. And um, my friend Dax uh, Shepard, who also has a podcast. I got to listen to that. I heard it's the greatest. He's, and they've got such a great, great relationship. He's, he's so great. Um, but most of what I've learned about fatherhood is from him. He has two daughters too. Um, and he's very into the science of all, of of you know, parenting and, and just the brain and all that stuff. He's curious about that. But for those first four years, they're not, they're not, um, yes, obviously when you're a child, your parents are God and you take everything personally. And if something, (sighs) if your parents are fighting, it's about you. This is where I went wrong. Yes. This is where it all went wrong. Where men, I think, especially with girls, um, and I think similarly boys when they're looking at their mothers, um, Every nuanced thing that you do, uh, they're paying attention to and, and will end up um, permeating the rest of their life in relationship to how they see men um, or women if it's a, it, as the mother. And so I always, even if it's the way I treat my wife in front of them, the way that um, if we fight in front of them, which we try not to do, uh, I need them to see me make an amends or say I'm sorry or hug their mother. They need to see me be affectionate with their mother, even Aww. if I don't feel like being affectionate oh, with my wife. Yeah. Um, and it, so as it relates to my career, there are, and there have been points at which I've thought the cost benefit of like, do I do this thing at the expense of this other thing, which in three years they're going to be like, Dude, fucking beat it. Go. I'm in school. Yeah. Like, I got friends. I don't need your yeah. dumbass sitting We're in a crop around, top. Like, picking I'm hanging me up out. Yeah. School every day. Like, yeah. they'll be fine with me going to shoot a movie for a few months. Totally. But right now, there's a, I am aware of like my responsibility and your, and I didn't, effect. we didn't just knock my wife up. Like, we were trying for a long time. Really? To have kids. Yeah. Wow. So, you've been together for 12 years? Yeah. 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 Six years before you proposed. Was she angry? 
I did I was some an research. alcoholic. Oh. So I don't think she was angry. She wasn't angry. She was like, oh, but she I think she was angry you. at me as a human being. Yeah. I don't think she was waiting for me to propose. Oh. I don't think I was in any position to but be she, making any. She stuck by you. She did. Did she a lot. Did she still, does she drink still? Uh, she's not really. I mean. Yeah. I think I, I think I ruined it for her. You ruined it for all yeah. your friends who are in relationships like that. Where I'm like, she's oh, just like, know. I think she has such a bad. She's like, I don't want to. I'd rather experience not experience with what alcohol does to. Uh, um, oh boy! So yeah, she was with me for five, almost five years when I was out. When you were out of the room, like uh, when you not were sober. not sober. Wait, so how did you meet her? She was a CAA assistant. Were you at CAA? I did a movie with this girl, Sophia Bush, who was one of her dear friends. And um, she set us up. Uh, my girl, my uh, my wife was just out of a long relationship, and so she was just looking for something casual. Yeah, and, here's this uh, actor guy. He's great. Sophia was, okay. like, Sophia was like, "This guy's a total scumbag." Oh, He's were like, you a scumbag? Not a scumbag, but I was like, if you if you were looking for casual, yeah, you were the guy. I was great because I was polite. I'd like I'd buy you dinner. I wasn't gonna be. I wasn't. A, I wasn't an overt asshole. Yeah. Um, Did you go to Crunch, Equinox? No, I didn't work out. I don't I was, know. I was, if, I if was like, do, I was fine. at that point in my life where yeah. I was like, I'm drinking. It. All I'm right, drinking alcohol, so I don't need to worry about getting fat. So. And I, I, I did get out of shape. And even in that point, I was like, I got so much going on. Yeah, like. They'll take me however they. They'll take me however they'll get me. I Not just it. women. I'm. T- I'm even talking about work jobs. Too. Yeah, yeah. I was like. They're lucky to have me. They are lucky with to the have me. The mindset that I had at that point. I think it's a great mindset. So grandiose. Well, I think it's great. I'm still fighting for your selfishness going on a job even while your kids are little. That's how horrible I what a monster yes. I am. Because I'm like, yeah, but now that you understand your role in their life, you can still go away, but you can communicate better with your wife and kids in, in a nicer yeah, it roundabout. Work, no? All right. Way. God, I got to stop. Always. I got to stop fighting for. I'm like, you got to do the Nolan movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. You got to yeah. do the oh, Lester no, movie. If, no, I'm just if kidding. If the Nolan movie came up, I'd be there. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no doubt. I'm, I'm, it's. I know. Situational. Wait, so um, she's with you, you're casual. Sophia Bush is like, you guys, you need to yeah, hang out. And, and it was then, very casual. Um, and then how did I was it turn not in? a good boyfriend for you know a couple of years. It was we were on and off. And None of my business. What did you do? What was the worst <laughs> boyfriendly thing you did? Actually, maybe you shouldn't say that. No, I was just you know I was twenty two years old. Oh, twenty two years old. Yeah. Oh my god. So I was not. What was to be expected? Not a lot. Not a lot. Certainly not. No, not for me. I was traveling a lot and. And she put me in rehab the first time, maybe a year and a half into our relationship. She did, and your official boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm talking we like a seventh grader. Official boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> she drove me up to. It was called um, Wonderland at the time on Mulholland. Wonder. I went to Wonderland Avenue Elementary School. Oh, you did. That oh, was yeah. my school. So it was just above that on oh, Mulholland. I didn't know there was a. Re- no wonder I'm so neat. Yeah, it's, so I think cool. it's called the Hills now. Whatever the it is. Hills. It's just, just like a love that show. It was a. Um, one of those kind of fancy I love, I was like, gonna 65 say, grand for a month. Are you know? serious? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, needless to say, I didn't work. I, I was, I, I think I had a drink on my, on my way home. You did? Yeah. Does any, it, was it? I just felt like, oh, they, t- they taught me how to like drink, you know, c- casually now. Like they I did. did? They didn't, but I, I left being like, oh, I just, I, I just figured all, so much stuff out about my childhood. And I think... I don't know how I justified it, but I was like, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna keep drinking. Yeah. Um, did she pay for the rehab? None of my no, business. No, no, this no, is no. Her, I'm getting too I, detailed. Yeah. No, I did. <laughs> At that point, I still had had oh, plenty of money. Oh boy. Um, so you go and then again. that went on for a couple of years after that, where I was trying to manage 
mostly kind of uh, binge drinking. I didn't drink every day, but I was a, you know, I was a, I would go on runs, um, usually on weekends when I, because I never drank when I was working. Um, what were the most amount of drinks you had? Oh, God, I know. Oh, God. When I went in, when I, when I finally checked into Promises? Hazelden the last time. Hazelden? In Minnesota, Inside yeah. Scoop, Minnesota. Oh, good, Hardcore. they're getting you out of Tinseltown. Hardcore. You got to get out. Hardcore, like 12 guys in a room. Uh, army folding your bed. Very, really? Yeah. Well, um, okay. And when I got back in there the last time, I don't know how many drinks I had, but I, I was um, uh, a 0.31, I think was what they blood tested me when I when I got back in there. Which, if you're if you're not a real drinker, is certainly enough to to put you into a coma. I was I was sober enough to do all of the paper, like I. Oh my God. I wasn't, they were like, I think the reading's wrong because I did the breathalyzer when I came in and then they did the blood test. They were like, I, I think there's something, you should be unco- certainly unconscious. Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, I was, I was talking to them and you're like, Hey guys, what's yeah, the, yeah. And that's the mark of a, oh boy. Yeah. Um, why do you think you're drinking so much? And also, you don't have to answer anything. Obviously, you know that. No, You're only going to do what you no, want to no, do. No, no, no. I volunteered. Um, why was I drinking so much? The- I never really... I, I, I never felt like I drank too much until I moved here. I was in high school, and I would party to fit in when I would be back home do drugs or whatever with my, with my friends. But that was just a, just, that was more social to make everyone feel like I was like one, like them. Yeah. Then when I moved here, there was like a point at which I was in the hotel and in between jobs or whatever. And I going to Brent Bold house parties. Just kidding. I'm no, sorry. I, only I, trust me. I wish I was social <laughs> when I drank. I wanted to drink oh. alone. Oh really? Yeah. I want, it, it made me feel a certain kind of way that, uh, no parent or, uh, that nothing had ever made me feel like there was like a very um, like warm blanket, fresh out of the dryer feeling uh, that alcohol gave me. Oh boy! And that's a hard one to shake because it wasn't about social lubrication. It wasn't about I was fine socially. I could bullshit anyone. You know, I could be at a party, and for me, it was that replacement of comfort um that since i was a child i i um we're podcasting getting deep here seriously jesus i was just talking about my family and alcohol what's wrong with you you fucking asshole seriously Um, we are victims uber driver (laughs) um no it's always an uber driver yeah Uh, i take lifts i don't yeah me too keep going i can tip on those although you can tip now on uber um they're nicer to there anyway whatever keep going i family stuff you didn't get when you were a kid i didn't it 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 made me feel the way that I'd never felt before. Uh, it wasn't replacing something that I once had. It made me feel like I never had. And so in spite of knowing at many points I shouldn't be doing this because it was really fucking my life up. I, there was no two ways about it. I wasn't, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't convince myself that I wasn't a, at the very least a problem drinker. Um, you know, being at Oscar parties, climbing over, you know, like 
You would be? Oh, yeah. No, I was... Was this for Transamerica? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely joyless. I've been writing um, a bunch, and the thing I always go back to, I I share about this when I'm in meetings all the time, but um, I was... uh, I was on a plane going to Cannes um, where I was getting uh, the, it's called the Chopard Trophy, which is like uh, the best um, actor of the year, sort of uh, up and whatever it is. They give it out at the um, Palm Springs Film Festival too. It's a, it's a, it's a very prestigious award. Yeah. I should have been over the moon. Um, and... So I'm on, uh, I remember vividly, I was on an Air France plane going to Paris and then flying from Paris to, to Cannes. I'm sitting in this, you know, in first class on Air France in this big seat by myself. There's one guy next to me. And for the entirety of the flight, I'm, I'm, I've, I was obviously drinking. It was, you know, I was upright. Um, uh, lied the entire way I was at I was in medical school and I had a girlfriend at home and um which is depraved and dark and only upon reflection did I realize like I hated my life so much and who I was and I didn't believe any of it I didn't believe that I I felt like a fraud I felt um that the that in that moment when you literally like and I was leaving from Cannes to go to New York to go shoot a Calvin Klein um, uh, campaign for a fragrance. Bury the lead. I, I had know. no idea. I didn't get this in my research yeah. for you. Okay. Um, where they were paying me an exorbitant amount of money. I'd never made money like that before. Like, I was literally going from Cannes for five days to New yeah, York. It's to a go great life. Th- for four days with, you know, the greatest photographers in the world. And then going back to L.A. to go start shooting a movie that... And I was mis- as miserable as I've ever been. Is this pre-Jamie? Pre-Jamie, yeah. As joyless and um, clearly I was, I for nine hours, kept up this lie that, you know. Who were you lying to? Just the, the pass- guy next to me. It's just the guy next to you. Meanwhile, the story of like, I'm going to Cannes and it's exciting would have been a a good story. I mean, that's a that's a yeah. that's interesting enough. Well, maybe that's you know you didn't want to be braggy. No, it was, it was that imposter I just, syndrome. I, I felt yeah, I, it was imposter syndrome. And then I would always lock in on any um, person who didn't like you. Yeah, to that win them was over. the person that. Or if if I felt slighted in any way, which I, interestingly enough, in that period happened more than it did other times. I think the more success I found, the more often I was, I felt slighted mostly because maybe it was because it was by more important people where someone would say, Oh, we're, let's go make this movie. And then the movie would fall apart or they would, um, or someone would, would win an award and they wouldn't thank me. Um, that's how I feel when somebody uh, unfollows me on Instagram. Correct. Okay. Yeah. It's the same feeling. It's exactly the same exactly. feeling. Yeah. And but you'd be if, you're in the, if you're not in the right headspace, that becomes all that you think about. So oh, my God. Spiraling. If I'm sitting at, um, the, at the Oscars and 
Harvey's sitting next to me. He's been canceled. We can't he's talk been about canceled. it. Okay, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, he's, but it's okay. You talk about it. <laughs> it was the first movie okay. that his company had made, Transamerica. Oh, um, we, oh, I forgot he made that. Yeah. I watched so many movies um, that he's made that I love. But Yikes. He's next to you. He's next to me. You know, people, it's, it's, it's all the things that you fantasize about being enough. You know, uh, Quentin Tarantino comes up and says, Hey man, I loved you in that movie. You're so great. Let's, let's get coffee sometimes, whatever. Like every fantasy you have, Brad Pitt's shaking my hand and George Clooney and like should be enough, should be the point at which you go like, Oh, this is great. And I was so unhappy. And I was so fearful and um, nervous, and um, and I and I felt like a boy, and I didn't feel equipped, and I felt lo- extremely lonely, um, and it it affirmed the fact that even with all the stuff that I thought that I wanted, um, I was still going to be unhappy, oh, and goodness. so. That lasted for several years. And I think it was the thing that sort of drove me to the point of sort of going, what's the point, you know? And I, I never, I never, I never tried to kill myself. I never, it it was probably more of like an ideation than anything. Because life is so hard, especially when you think you have everything you want, and you're like, God, I'm still unhappy. What? This is too much. And I'm not exhausted. just unhappy, I was more unhappy. More um, unhappy. I, I, because it felt, um, it felt even lonelier than I had expected it to. And then everyone around you is even more different than they were since I was a kid, which is like, I was that fucking annoying child actor who was going back to this small town. So like the notion of me being different was not new to me, but this made it even more so. So then when I would go back, it felt even more strength. They're like, Oh, he's fucking asshole. He thinks he's so good. He's that douchebag with like his shirt rolled up in that Calvin Klein ad. And it's like, I didn't need any help feeling like a douchebag anyway. And so it just made it, and then ultimately what it rolled back to, not to get back to what we were talking about at the beginning, was I would then end up on a movie set and be like, I also have no fucking idea what I'm doing. Oh, my God. So this God. thing that everyone's blowing me for, you know, all these people who I respect and love, like, they don't even know that I'm a fraud. That, like, this performance that they're talking about, I was completely manipulated into. And was literally just me being me at that point in my life. There was no acting involved in that performance. I was nervous. I was terrified. I was a boy. I was. I wanted everyone to love me. I would do anything that was asked of me, um, which is exactly who that guy was in that movie. So oh, wow. it's not as if I went in there with some... Here's my character. No, none of that. Oh, but and that's so, okay, too. That's who you were. It found you at the right time. It wasn't a mistake. Correct. Yes. But going moving forward, I I was I was so lost because unless I had that, unless I had a filmmaker who was who grabbed me by the scruff of my neck and said like, no, more, 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 more. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know how to do that to myself. I wasn't educated enough in what I did for a living to know how to 
get a performance out of myself. I needed someone to drag it out of me. So now you're married. You have two twin girls. You've gone back to acting class. You got broken down. Uh, You're sober. You're in AA. You've like raised yourself. You've re-raised yourself. And it's like, it's like you're not, you're not flailing aimlessly, even though that was working kind of cool too. Not, not with the drinking and all the stuff and the internal uh, despair and anxiety. No, but I think externally it was. You were able to front real hard in a real cool way, Mm -hmm. but you weren't happy. And now it seems like, like, are you happy now? Like, is has yeah. all this, like, what was, when you're like, oh God, I'm still unhappy. Like, what was the answer? What was like? The answer was I need to have a life that is completely unreliant on. Being chosen? Success or people liking me or um, the, the, the value um, that I have now is. Uh, has been has been built um, by, um, uh, and not to be grandiose or about it, but um, when I can go to one of my sponsees, uh, you know, when his kid's born, to go to the hospital, to go see him and his wife, or um, like that's valuable. That's not. That's not. That's tangible. There's something I can look to and sort of say in some small way, um, this life has been affected by my by me being there the same way my life was affected by other people doing it for me. And um, you can't take that away from me. So there's no, there's no rejection by a filmmaker or slight by someone saying like, what the fuck was that? We don't get what he's doing or... You know, in the biggest, my biggest fear of like, what if I'm fired from it? It's like, you'll be fine. I'm totally fine. Yeah. I can go home and hang out with my kids and I'm a good man, a good father to them, try to be a good husband. Um, What's the hardest thing about being a husband and being, because a second ago, a little while ago, and you said, uh, you know, if you don't feel like being affectionate or if, if you fight and I'm, you know, I've been in relationships, I'm in a relationship that's such a hard thing for me to reconcile because I have this kind of addictive personality where I think everything has to be perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect. And I, I was put like so much that too for a long time. And then, and then it isn't because it isn't, you know. Yeah. And then I'm like, feel this shame and dread. Oh my God, everybody's going to be mad at me. I failed. Oh my God, I'm a failure. It's not perfect. So everything is ruined. And when you say that you fight and it's okay, right? Like it's just part of it. It's not ideal, but it's part. People fight. Of course, people fight, I mean, especially two um, completely different strong people. people. Yeah, um, I should have had your wife on the podcast with you. But my wife was way more interesting than no, I. No, it would have been a great duo. Um, but y- that's an invite, Jamie. Okay, keep Seriously. going. Sorry. <laughs> um, marriage is. I love it. I don't think it's for everybody. Why? Because it requires a level of self awareness and. Did you watch the, uh, not to sidebar, but did you watch the Chris Rock um, special called Tambourine? Yes, I loved it. And my, one of my friends said, my boyfriend said, oh, I, th- I wanted to laugh more. I thought it was going to be funnier, but I was like, this is everything I wanted. Everything is perfect. Yeah. Um, there is a level of humility you have to have when it, in a long-term relationship. Um, and a lot of it just comes from like, I'm the fantasy that you're always going to be desired in a way that is suitable to you um is is you have to you have to let go of that 
You have to trust that other parts of um, your relationship are infinitely, like the amount of comfort and, and love I feel from uh, being, being um, like things I never thought I could get out of any relationship with, with a human being that I get from her more than compensate for the like occasional time she comes in and I, she looks at me like, like, uh, like what the fuck are you still doing? Oh God. It's like uh, part of the trade off is that we've been together for 12 years. She's not running home every day to like stare into my eyes and, and um, that's what I expect from a partner. By the way, so do I. I'm a narcissist. Yeah. (laughs) Am I? I guess I I was like, that's that. Otherwise, otherwise, what are we doing? Yeah, and, exactly. Right. I love codependent but love. I know. It's, Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> but the flip side is that um, it's always there if we go away somewhere and it's just the two of us and we had dinner last night, which we don't do as much as we should, but we have young kids and we're both crazy busy right now. But it's still there and we make a point to connect on that level as much as we can but the comfort of knowing that um she's in it for the hall with me she stayed she's not only did she stay which is huge because she knows all of the she knows where all the bodies are buried it would have been much easier for both of us to move on without any of the peripheral kind of baggage and stuff that we still deal with it's been 12 years and there's things that you know if I'm out of town and my phone dies when I'm away or on set or something I lost my charger or whatever it's like the fallout of my prior life is still resonant and impactful today like it's it's it doesn't just go away so a lot of things that I wouldn't have had to deal with had I just met someone in sobriety where it's like, yeah, I don't... Clean slate. I don't lie anymore. Like, I'm not a... Oh, we didn't even get into that. That's not my business. But yeah, yeah, very right. cool. It's okay. just like I, the, all, the, all the stuff that goes along with like... Oh, yeah. And so the great thing about... That I like about marriage is this this the same thing I love about recovery, which is that it's just about life. I don't have some fantasy of... You know, uh, it's completely different than what I thought it would be, but I would never want to not be married to my wife. It's, there's a, there is a sort of low grade, she makes me feel the way alcohol did when I first started drinking. Oh my God. Which was um, this unconditional, warm, protective, safe, um, blanket that, um, that I, you know, I, I wouldn't have given up had it not almost killed me. Um, and that was the problem I had with getting sober was that no one gave me an alternative that was comfortable enough that I was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm this, this still works for me. Um, and so it's, she didn't replace that, but that's the best way for me to describe what being married to her feels like is is that um, comfort of unconditional um, care. God, it sounds very cozy. It is. Super cozy. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah it's a weird thing when this is happening to me, but it sounds like you've already gone through it. Uh, 
when you realize, oh my God, everything I thought it was supposed to be, it's not that and it's okay, but what? I don't know. It's just so weird where, and then you realize, oh, I have to do things differently. Yeah. yeah. And things are an effort that you're like, oh, that shouldn't be, oh. I shouldn't have to schedule when my wife and I have sex, but it's like, well, we have two kids. Got to factor it all She's in. She's a power incredibly player. powerful woman who like busts her ass yeah. all day. So like the notion that she's going to come bursting in the door and be like, oh, honey, yeah. want to, it's like, that's just not, I'm, I'm, I'm lower down on the priority list because it's just fucking life. And part of, again, being married is like, it's different and you have to, and with the good comes some of the sacrifice, which is like, you know, you have kids and everyone's like, oh my God, kids are amazing. But it's like. For several years, you have to be aware of the fact that you're not the priority at all. Oh, this is terrifying. Yeah, I don't have kids yet. So part of the sacrifice is like, um, I'm not the priority right now. But this is a chapter of the relationship. Correct. You do need to go to Two Bunch Palms. You don't need to do anything. But have you ever been to Two Bunch Palms? No. Oh, my God. It's in uh, Desert Hot Springs, right by Palm Springs. And it's like this beautiful, magical right. oasis with like natural mineral pools. And Sounds amazing. Very highbrow, great restaurant. Right. People are walking around in robes. There are turtles and swans. It's beautiful. That sounds it's, amazing. I think Al Capone used to live there, and it's just oh, wow. like it's called Two Bunch Palms. I feel like your wife's probably heard of it. I'm sure she has. We're going to Idaho next month. Oh, you are to Coeur d'Alene, just her and I for five days. That's on so the important. Lake with the boat. Oh, that's so nice. Who watches kids. the kids? Her parents are going to come into town. Do you like them? My I business. love them. Thank God, that's so good. I love them. Um, what are you doing for Fourth of July? Um, we're going to go to Manhattan Beach. We have friends down there. Yeah. Go to the beach with the kids. Oh, when you yeah. have kids and no help at the moment, our nanny's out of town. Yeah. It's kind of about, Stick. like me coming here was like, we went to Target. I got them into their bathing suits. Yeah. Sent them off with my wife to a friend's house so they can swim. They'll be, they're napping now. But Elliot like, has a pool too. Oh, he does? Yeah. It's in Eagle Rock though. It's kind of far. Uh, in my business. Ellie and I don't like. <laughs> Ellie and I don't socialize. We talk on the phone almost every day, but like we don't we don't hang like that. Okay, well, just Unless for future reference. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. boy, but uh, oh my god. Well, then what's next? We and, and, and you know this is like I, I prefer these kind of conversations where it's yeah. like, wait, are you spiritual? Are you med- yeah, do you meditate? I mean, do you? I mean, uh, I try. I mean, I go to meetings. I try to go to meetings that have built-in meditations at the beginning. Oh, really? A lot of them do that. Oh, that's nice. Where it's like, even if it's five minutes, yeah. like everyone sits down and it's like, okay. A grounding. Shut the fuck up for yeah. five minutes. And even that for me is like magical. It makes a huge difference for me because the chatter in my head is very loud. You've never been on, again, none of my business, antidepressants or anything? Yeah, no, I am. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Zoloft. I'm new to it. I'm on... Um, okay. <laughs> I love it. You, you're uh, wonderful. This is yeah. fantastic. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I've, I have a very low dosage of... Um, of not, it's not depression, but it's uh, anxiety. depression, anxiety, medication called Celexa, which I've been on for a while. And, but more importantly, I've been on um, uh, bipolar medication since I got sober. Yeah. Um, which they figured out when I was in treatment that... I, when I went back to treatment that um, that I probably should have been on for 
quite a while. It's a it's a fairly low dose of it, but I I don't know um, if I would have been able to maintain my sobriety at the beginning with all that chatter in your brain and all the and without the the without the crash because mine wasn't so much um, mine was just the mania wasn't crazy. I could, I would be ambitious for a couple of days and be kind of out there cleaning my car and whatever. Yeah. Reading, writing, whatever. And that it was the, the crash. I couldn't, um, I couldn't maintain, you know, it was, it was several days long. Was this in sobriety or, or before sobriety? Before sobriety. And the crash. Okay. Yeah. And so after three days of being really low, uh, the defense against a drink was, um, was more difficult for me. So yeah, I've been on that for for eight years. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I have no plans of going. Everyone's like, "Oh, you feel better now." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck with that." Yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good. I can't believe I didn't. I mean, I went on Soloft like 25 milligrams. Yeah, and I noticed the difference because I like spiral. I, I react to everything. Everything's sure. just like, "Oh my god, blah, 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 what does it all mean?" Yeah. Like a second feels like an eternity for me, uh-huh. and it really all manifests in my romantic relationships. Sure. But and then I went on 25 milligrams for a few months. I was like, ah, it's not doing anything. Went off it. Immediately saw my old behavior that I didn't realize had disappeared. Now I'm on 75 milligrams, SSRI. I hope Great. it's working. I think it is. And yet I'm you still... You seem very calm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, but you know, you and I aren't dating, so... Okay? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> my poor boyfriend. Yeah. Have you ever been to therapy with your wife? Yeah, we go every other week. And you love it? Yeah. Oh, that's great. We okay. went before we got married. I love it. Oh, that's so important. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. We're we don't about... speak the same language. Yeah. Most people don't, but people are so have such an ego. They're like, oh, I don't want to go to therapy until it's too late, and you're already, there's so much resentment. If you start usually earlier. The th- usually when we go and there's not a problem to talk about is the most informative. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Because you're not busy with like... The immediate minutia bullshit. Of like... like he didn't do this or like he, whatever. It's like you can get bogged down in details and we've, you know, we have the same, we've had and, and we'll continue to have the same argument, um, for the rest of our lives. It's always about the same thing. Um, I feel judged cause I'm a narcissist. And you think you're the victim of the situation. So even if she says like, Oh, you didn't get the butter. When I was at the market and as she's cooking or whatever, oh, like no I immediately hear like, Hey fuckhead. Yes. You such an idiot that you didn't get the butter. What's wrong with you? Why are you not? And, and then it goes back to like, I mean, if you were working, you wouldn't, you, it's like, I, I can spin a whole fucking story in my I head. I love it. Yeah. That so sounds I, great. I'm a total narcissist. So I take everything personally when she's normally talking about herself. So if she's saying like, when you do this, it makes me feel this way. I all I hear is when you do this, yeah. And because I'm also a good boy, that's like one of my character defects. Is like I want to be a good boy. I want to be like a good soldier. And then, so that's that's my baggage. And her baggage is, uh, she never feels heard because of that. Yeah. So. Oh. If I'm always so busy hearing everything as being about me, you can't hear her. I never hear her needs or desires, and so and all, and my wife's this sort of tough New York girl, so her delivery doesn't lend itself to. Oh, um, that's how I am. That delivery. Uh, it's hard. It's hard for me to go. Well, what's this really about? 
because the delivery is very strong. Oh, wow. And, and yeah. Often very um, forceful. And so I immediately get my, my default is to be defensive um, when really she's just talking about herself. And that's just how she speaks. And that's just how she speaks. Maybe she's just passionate. Maybe she's and maybe just, that's just how caffeinated. She, and that's just how she talks. How she talks, yeah. Um, so a lot of times it's about, um, so when she's saying, when she says to me, can you pick up my dry cleaning? She doesn't ask me for a lot, but that's important to her. It's more important than me. You know, she gets home from work. I try to like, I run her a bath and like. You do? Yeah, but that's not important to my wife. I'm like, what a dream. This is a, yeah. So we end up talking about things in therapy, which are like, that's not important to me. It's nice. I love that you do that. But. Pick up the y- goddamn dry cleaning. You <laughs> like, um, like putting your dishes away feels much more loving to me. Like that, that's, that's a need I have because when things are messy, she feels out of control or whatever. Oh, wow. So rather than me projecting what I think she should want, like I know what we should do. You and I should go away. I'm going to book us a suite at the peninsula for a couple of nights. We'll fly your parents in and we'll go there. And she's like, that's not what I want right now because I miss my kids. Oh, wow. So rather than me being like, this is what you need right now is a bath and... Yeah. Let's go out to dinner. She's like, no, I want to hang out with my kids right now. That's my, that's my need. So a lot of what we talk about in therapy is just communi- being able to communicate in a way that, like, I understand what she's actually saying. I get that, yeah. And she understands why I hear things a certain way. Because I'm used to being criticized. I was criticized my whole life. So anytime something feels like it's wrong, my immediate default is like I did something. Yeah. And so my it's like no 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 I didn't I, that's not what I did. That's yeah. either, I can hear myself saying it right yeah, now. Yeah no like, I no I I tried and they they weren't there I I tried calling it's like yeah as opposed to just saying I totally forgot and I'm a fucking moron I'll do it tomorrow I love you yeah I'll take care of that could could but my immediate default is like <gasps> ugh. Fuck, you know how I, much shit I did today? I picked her kids up from school and like, I got fucking busy. What do you want me to do? Yeah. But again, she's like, I didn't marry you. I, like I married you and had children with you because you're all of those things. It's not, you don't get points for doing the things that I knew when I married you, you would do. Yeah. Like, of course you go to our kids' concerts and, you know, uh, you know, pick out ballet outfits with me it's just like that's what I knew I was getting that you don't get points now for following through on being the guy I knew that I married just because your friends don't do that shit doesn't um allow you for like some some space on the shit that you just don't want to do it's so interesting though because she loves you and you love her Mm -hmm. and I find this in my relationship it's just two people trying to love the other person mm-hmm. and then uh, getting self-conscious if they feel like they're being, uh, oh, I'm not even saying this correctly, but uh, like you want to be a good boy. You want to impress her. Yeah. You want to love her. You want to make her happy. And then she loves you. She just wants to be loved by you. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, yeah, just the communication that that is the breakdown. But the intention is like, I want everything to be great. Yeah. I want him to love me. I want him to know that I love him. Yeah. It's just such an odd thing. I think, yeah. It's complicated, and, and I can't, I think the thing we realized 
is that we aren't able to get there on our own. Like if her and I sit down and just try to talk something out, she triggers me in a way that I can't bounce back from, or I trigger her in a way that she hears it about. Like, and then she'll lot. And so we need every couple of weeks, like a third party to sort of say, you know what she's saying, right? And you're like, oh, no, not at all. All I heard is like, Blah, 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 blah. She's like, you know, that's not, just ignore all of that. Yeah. She's defending herself or she's venting. She's compounding. She's bringing up other things to drive a point home that are not really applicable. And then after 40 minutes, she goes back to work and I go back to doing whatever I was doing. And I'm like, oh, okay. My God. I can't believe it. Yeah. Well, we didn't even talk. This is what I was saying before is that like, I like the getting to know the per- like who you are as a person and yeah. the essence of you and all this stuff. And I didn't talk about the Fred Savage show. Oh, no, I didn't talk about. I didn't talk about Power. Yeah. What's Power all about? Power is a show on Stars, um, very popular show actually. Um, this is what you're currently working on. I'm working. I, we I, we just finished that. I just finished the Fred Savage show. Um, sort of simultaneously uh, at the same time. And, uh, yeah, they're both fun. They're both fun. What's what just happened? And Fred Savage is the creator, the director. He's not even the director, is he? No, he's, he's the star one of, of the it. creators. It's a, it's a show about a show about a show. But it's not real. It's not. The show we shot is not real. The after show is real. But it's, they're doing an after show for a show that doesn't exist. Yeah. I love it. I think it's fucking genius. Um, and so I'm the star of the fake show. Also a guest on the talk show. Oh, is and it like Talking Dead? Like, like uh, it's just like Talking Dead, except we're making up The Walking Dead. It's like is it kind of like Larry Sanders vibe a little Very bit. Very much like that. Yeah. Love it. Um, or the Eric Andre Show, or one of those things. Yeah. Um, and then Power, I play a, a, a junkie um, school teacher who uh, who gets who gets uh, one of his. He starts. Um, getting into the drug business with one of his students who's one of the leads of the show. That's exciting. Which was amazing. And I, more importantly, I met this guy, Gary Lennon, who's... Uh, Wait, is he a showrunner? Mm-hmm. Who is he? Oh, tell me about him. I'm opening up the thing. Um, okay. this boiling. We're going to land the plane. Yes. Um, dying here. Gary Lennon's the best. Gary Lennon is a playwright and a showrunner and... Um, a screenwriter, uh, true, like one of my one of my favorite people. I think, um, I think we both just lost seven pounds right it's now. Good it's boiling in here. All I right. do hot Pilates. This is the equivalent of that. Oh, very um, moto. No, that's not Pilates. It's no, yoga. It's on uh, Sunset Plaza. All right. Um, Gary and uh, Gary is who I'm working with on a lot of my um, writing stuff, development stuff. This yeah. is incredible. Yeah. So Does, we're pitching a show next week. Do you love writing? Don't you feel like it's I a don't. nice? You don't. I don't like writing. Oh, why, why? Just the starting of the writing or the actual... I, need, I, I, I hate myself so much. Like innately, I, I judge myself so much that part of being a great writer is just the ability to write and with no judgment and sort of judge it afterwards. And as I'm writing, I'm prejudging and um, correcting in a way that I'm seeing it through other people's eyes as opposed to just telling the story. So I need a little bit of... Um, guidance and Gary is like Gary fucking writes like Ugh. a madman. Gary's got two shows on the air that he's show running at the same time. He's got 
Uh, Wait, what are these shows? He's the showrunner on Power, Power and, and uh, the show Hightown, which is, will be coming out on Stars after. What does he tell you? What is, what is the advice from Gary? Well, I mean, sometimes people need a part. Sometimes people need a partner, and um, like this show that we're pitching next week, we would produce it together and, and write it together. Um, but if I have uh, um, like a, like a box, if I have like a safe place to write in. Um, and someone to bounce things off of, I, I'm, I'm great. I, I can, I could do that all day. Yeah. But if, if I have to be on my own and self generate something that I'm not sure where it's going to end up being, oh, I need a little bit of direction in terms of like, that's a good idea. That's not a good idea. But, uh, um, and Gary's got a great, we have a very similar disposition about, and kinds of stories we want to tell. Um, and so I think our paths Again, I only did three episodes on Power. I, I, I think the reason I did that show was to meet Gary. Um, and we've, we've already, we're developing a movie. We're, we're pitching the show together. I um, love this union. This is incredible. It's just two guys who are crazy different. Um, but we have a very, we have similar stories. Um, and we want to tell similar stories. And he has a skill set that I don't have. And I have a skill set that, not that he doesn't have, but we have, we can come at it from different sides. And I think we um, find each other useful to the other person. Yeah. So I'm excited. Oh he might be my, you know. Is your new mentor? Whatever. Yeah. You're whatever. Like my guy. Yeah. He's like the. Second. If I'm going to be making movies, if I'm going to be directing films, I think they'll be... Do you want to do that? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love this. I have to do that. You have to do this. I have to do that. Oh, my goodness. I'm just trying to find the right... And uh, Gary's encouraging of... Don't just direct a movie. I mean, I could direct a movie tomorrow. I'd Like, logistically, I know how to shoot a fucking movie. It's not that, it's not that complicated. Um, but... You have to want to tell a story, and it has to be... You, you may only get one crack at directing. And so um, Shia LaBeouf just made a movie. What um, was the name of that movie? Called Honey Boy. Honey Boy. What was the other one with, like, FK Twigs or all that drama? It's not a salacious podcast, uh, but he directed something else. I like him. People give him so much shit. Oh, I think I he's so him. interesting and cool. So um, are you two friends? Who, who are your friends? And then we'll go back to the Shia LaBeouf Honey movie. Who are my friends? Uh, like, do you, are they actors? Like, you have a small group? I, some, I mean, most most of the guys I hang out with are in recovery because it's just like yeah. I don't get out much. So when I do, it's with people who are in recovery. I just wasn't sure if it was a small group or if it was a big it's group. It's a very small group. It's nice to keep it small. That's what yeah. I'm into. Simplifying your life. Um, who do I hang out with a bunch? Yeah, Tucker and I hang out a lot. Dax. Dax and I hang out a bunch. Not Elliot. Elliot just on and the I phone talk sometimes. Phone almost okay. every day. <laughs> Um, which is enough. Uh, uh, James Franco and I are tight. We hang out a bunch. I like him a lot. Yeah. I know he's, I don't know if he's canceled or what the deal is on my business, on our business to discuss it on the podcast. It's going to go out into the ether, but yeah. uh, no, I like I, him a lot. He's one of my favorite people of all time and also one of the most sort of artistically Ooh. intelligent um, guys I know. So um, inspiring. Yeah, and prolific. Yeah. And I have a very, um, but yeah, I don't, the thing about when you have a family is your world contracts a lot, like a lot, a lot. So 
I always say to like, especially to my friends, is it needs to be more valuable than leaving them, me hanging out with my kids and doing that thing. Yeah. So if we're going to go out and have dinner, like it needs to be something that my wife and I want to do for three hours. Yeah. It's like, otherwise, we'll just stay home. <laughs> Oh God! Well, then get back to your kids swimming. I know. I'm gonna got go. their Target outfits on I or do. swim, swim, whatever. No, we're saving the Target outfits for next for tomorrow okay. for Fourth of July. Fourth of July. All right. Celebrate their Americanness. An, an hour and forty one minutes. We really did oh, it. Wow. And we did it. This is a beautiful, yeah. honest, real conversation. I appreciate it. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks, Elliot. <laughs> for introducing us. Bye.